Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. I'm your host Jim Grant. It's Friday the 19th of November coming up on today's show. The usual mix of news from across the left-right political spectrum and around the world. We're going to be looking at some of the elite people are saying it's a good thing to depopulate the planet. The Carl Rittenhouse trial will get some knowledge of some judges and uh, I think they're lawyers as well. Uh, it was certainly there on Fox News as well. An eclectic mix of five of them. There's a panel there talking, well, playing more clips of doctors saying that they wouldn't want their kids to get the vaccines. Vitamin C can be good against COVID. More vaccine news about countries suspending it and others mandating it. That and a lot, lot more on today's show. Let's go to the top story here. From Breitbart, reduce population to save the planet, says former UK finance chief. I'm assuming that none of the people, uh, the population he wants to reduce are his own family members, I would have thought. So by Kurt Zindeluka, 10th of October of this year. Britain and other Western nations should welcome declining populations and ageing demographics as it will help them meet climate change goals, the former chairman of the Financial Services Authority has argued. In a report from Population Matters entitled Smaller Families and Ageing Populations, Lord Adair Turner, the chairman of the UK Energy Transitions Commission and former head of the FSA, argued that declining native populations will enhance prosperity. The biggest reason to welcome this demographic shift is that, it is that it results from free choice of empowered people, and in particular women, Lord Adair wrote. By ceasing endless population growth, will also reduce humanity's future press on the natural environment, ease the challenge of adequate housing provision, and make it easier to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions while supporting prosperity growth in developing countries. The report said that Britain could cut carbon emissions by approximately 38 million tonnes. Anyway, to cut a long story short, you can go into DuckDuckGo and put in World's Elite Meat to Reduce World Population. Uh, I think you had what was the Oprah in there as well. Oprah Winfrey was part of that. So have a look at that. You'll see that this is a ongoing and common theme. And you'll find that these people are the so-called elite of the world, the banking, the politicians, the pharmaceutical industries, you know, all the ones that seem to have the power and seem to be asking and encouraging you to um, to uh, take certain things in order to have your freedoms back. Um, and what he says there, results of a free choice of empowered people, assuming that you do as they say. So uh, just wanted to make you aware of that article. Fraud fears over firms furlough a millions. This is from The Times by James Hurley, Alex Ralph, George Greenwood, Hamza, Kalik Lunat, Wednesday the 10th of November. Hundreds of companies set up after the scheme began and registered to just five addresses. So there you go. Uh, it's been found out that obviously those five people were doing it. A uh, big old scammy, scammy Connie thing. I wonder who it turned. Well, we'll see who owns them, doesn't it? I don't think even the Tories would be dumb enough to uh, <laughs> be that blatant, would they? Or maybe they would. They would with some of the other contracts. Who knows? But yeah, I reckon when we find out who those five people are, <laughs> the government is going to get their uh, hand, well, get their police 
um, employees around those person collars reasonably quickly I would have thought it's a little bit too obvious isn't it I mean even the Tory cabinet doesn't take the mickey that much hundreds of, it's just the odd contract here and there and it not a hundred set up to just five companies my word Let, I wonder who those five people are going to be it'll be interesting to see I'm sure we'll find out at some point Hundreds of companies set up after the government's furlough scheme was established claimed up to 26.6 million from the taxpayer, the Times has learnt. Many of these claims were made by off-the-shelf companies that can be established cheaply and with opaque corporate structures. The use of such companies to claim emergency pandemic funds is likely to be scrutinised by a new team of HM Revenue and Customs who have been ordered to recover £1 billion in fraudulent or mistaken claims. Analysis by the Times. You see... Where does that figure of one billion come from? Does that come from like a genuine estimate to say, look, we've, you know, because there's obviously loads of people to five companies. That's pretty much dodgy. Do they total up all the amount of the dodgy claims that are like this? Is, you know, it, I mean, it could be genuine, but you can smell a rat by doing and come to be a billion. Or have they just arbitrarily picked that number out of a billion and go, there you go, claim as close to that as possible? Because we live in a world now of stats and targets and all things like that. I think it's always important that the um the goal becomes well the goal stays fixing the problem the goal it doesn't become fixing the stats so analysis by the times using official data records from open corporate shows that 7000 companies registered to only five addresses in london made claims to the furlough scheme between last december and june over that period they claimed up to 473 million between them so there you go that's probably about half of that billion there the rest, who knows? But I just want to make certain that the poor people at the uh, the tax revenue office aren't being chased, asked asked to chase targets that are unachievable. But uh, it looks like 473 million of them will be um, achievable. I mean, it is possible these five people might come to it and go, well, actually, no, there's a very good reason for that. But I'll agree with the Times. It does look a little bit dodgy, doesn't it? Next one here is from The Guardian. Speaking of dodgy, charity that employs Carrie Johnson faces further questions over finances. Accounts for Aspinall Foundation show that it paid more than 150000 in interior design services to Chairman's wife. This is by Rowena Mason, 13th of November. The wildlife charity that employs Carrie Johnson is facing further questions over its finances after its latest accounts show it paid more than 150 grand in interior design services to the chairman's wife last year. The Aspinall Foundation, which currently is under investigation by the Charity Commission, took in just over 1.5 million in donations from the public and corporate donors, while in the same year they paid £150,158 in fees to Victoria Aspinall, the wife of Damien Aspinall, the chairman of the trustees uh, charities. The transaction happened in 2020, which is before Carrie Johnson, the Prime Minister's wife, took on a senior role at the charity, heading up communications from January 2021. The purpose of the Aspinall Foundation is global conservation work and releasing zoo animals back into the world, working with its sister charity, the Howlett's Wild Animal Trust, which runs two wild animal parks in Kent. Damien Aspinall, the casino owner and socialite, is the son of the charity's founder and its board of trustees includes Ben Goldsmith, the former government minister, uh, the brother of government minister Zach Goldsmith, who is a friend of Carrie Johnson and the prime minister. Next is, yes, this is an article that 
was all over social media. Oh, and by the way, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome the new members to the Beyond the News Telegram group. There's quite a community in there. Every time I switch the phone on, there's about uh, 50 different messages there. So yeah, do join the group and switch notifications off unless you want to be an avid member of the community, which some of the, you are, and that's lovely to see. Everyone getting along, everyone um, sharing links and information. So that Telegram group is at Beyond the News Gym, and there's some wonderful articles that I do um, bring to the attention of this podcast. There's more that I should, but every time I go and get the list of things to do, there's a whole list of things that come in, and oh, I've got to put that on the podcast. And then the guests come on, and you move things back, and I try and get through things as quickly as possible, which will be quicker if I stop thinking and just get on with it. So, but no, I, I do want to say a big welcome, a big thank you, and we'll probably get to that point now where where we're getting. We, we're starting to attract people who I have no idea who they are and everyone's nice and everyone's getting along but we'll probably get to that point soon where um, you know there are only for, for every 50 odd people you get one of them's usually like really just difficult and unpleasant and things like that so and that is what I call the removal blockage of victory because it means that you've got to get rid of someone who you don't know and they've only reason they're attracted to that group in the first place is because it got big enough to warrant their attention hence the victory so yeah when you have to get rid of unpleasant antisocial personalities and by the way i will just remove them from the group i would never call for their free speech to be taken away um i i absolutely support their rights to free speech and i support the rights of all the people on the group not to be upset by it so um so i'll just sort of block them but i would never you know it usually has that button of block and report i I wouldn't do the reporting bit i'd just do the blocking bit it's you know it's not for me to report them it's just for me to keep the community a nice happy friendly positive vibey sort of place which it is so thank you all for joining and um yeah this was one of the stuff that's been big on social media can't remember if it was all over the telegram group so I, i There was lots of stuff where it was just memes and pictures and stuff. So I thought I'd just take a little while to look into it beforehand. And yeah, so this is from The Spectator. And uh, I've also got a link from cbc.ca as well. So I look at this from two different angles. Uh, The Spectator. And it's got cardiologist who said he won't cry at funeral for selfish, unvaccinated people suddenly dies in his sleep two weeks after third COVID jab. That's dated November the 12th. That the last thing I want to do is go, no, 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 that's not my intention in any way, shape or form of doing that uh, at all. Um, I'm just pointing out that these sort of stories exist and um, they're all over social media. So I feel um, a thing to cover it. That's all I'll read from the, the spectator there. I'll now look at it from, uh, mainly because I tried to scroll down the page and I couldn't see any text. So no idea what that's about. But now I'll read from the cbc.ca thing. So uh, this is CBC News. Dr. Sorab Luchmedile dedicated more than 20 years to the New Brunswick Heart Centre. And this is uh, 9th of November uh, by Hadil Ibrahim. A prominent new Bundrick cardiologist has died, leaving behind a large gap in the system, and the community colleagues say uh, he dedicated more than 20 years to the New Brunswick Heart Centre and the care of patients suffering from heart disease 
said a statement from the staff of the New Brunswick Heart Centre. So um, he definitely did pass away and the spectator says it was two weeks after the vaccine. I scrolled down the CBC website and I can't seem to find anything that mentions the vaccine. So just wanted to bring to your attention one story mentions it and one does not. So I think that's about as fair and balanced as I can do on that. And of course, uh, condolences to him and his family, no matter what he thinks of the anti-vaxxed. It sounds like he did a wonderful job in that hospital and uh, he'll be missed by uh, a lot of his colleagues from, from what I can see there. So next article is from The Telegraph, but I can't seem to um, bring that up. The headline had something to do with vitamin C being very helpful. So if you subscribe to the Telegraph, Telegraph, then you'll be able to see the link on the Beyond the News page or on the links of wherever you're listening to this. Hopefully now it should be in the comments section. The next article here from Yahoo News, Connor Parker, 11th of November. Thousands of double jabbed over 50s have died from COVID in the last four weeks. More than two and a half thousand double vaccinated over 50s have died from COVID-19 in the past month in England. New data shows. In a report published by the UK Health Agency analysis revealed 26,000, sorry, sorry, 2,683, so 2,683 double vaccinated over 50s have died within 28 days of positive COVID test in the last four weeks. Some 511 unvaccinated people died in the last four weeks of COVID-19. So that's a very, very interesting picture. Um, so of the deaths, 20, let me just reread that. In a report revealed 2683 double vaxxed have died within 28 days of positive COVID tests in the last four weeks. And in the same period, so, yep, so that's the same, we're doing like for like there, 511 unvaccinated people died. Hmm. The figures reflect the fact that vast majority in this age group have had at least two COVID vaccines. Uh, yes, yes, that is true. Now, we had an overall vaccination rate of about two thirds, didn't we? If we go back and listen to this podcast, I do not have the breakdown of that by age group. So um, so my point is, let's call that roughly 3000 dead and let's say 500 were unvaccinated and 2500 were double vaxxed so that would be uh what's that one sixth vaccinated so in order to do that sorry one sixth unvaccinated so in order to make that a good statistical analysis you would need to put it this way my point is this if less than five sixths of over 50s have been vaccinated then that's a highly questionable number. And if it's just the same, i.e. it's like for like. So let's say, let's say, well, Jim, five, six of the over 50s have been vaccinated. So I wouldn't be surprised to see five, six of them being dead, you know, as a result of the vaccine, because, you know, you've got a bigger sample size to come from. Yes, an entirely fair comment, but that would work on the assumption that the vaccine is literally useless. 
and makes no biased impact upon the study, i.e. saving lives. But, however, if it's less than 5-6, then that suggests they'd be even worse from having the vaccine. So I'll just run through those numbers again because I do know I ramble on a bit. If 5-6 of a given population are vaccinated and 5-6 of those people die, that would be, okay, yeah, that would make sense, Jim. The vast majority are vaccinated, therefore the vast majority of people who are dying will be from the vaccinated because they come from a much larger group. That would be if the vaccine did nothing. That would just be a statistical like-for-like -like example. If the vaccine was useful, you'd expect them to lower that 5-6. So you would say, yes, well, 5-6 of the population are vaccinated, but the vaccine helps. So therefore, we found that only 4-6 of the population are doing. Therefore, the vaccine is punching above its weight. It's 1-6 punching above its weight. If, however, that number is lower from the control group, then you would have the same logic applied in reverse to say, oh, well, hang on, you'd expect a lower amount to be dying, wouldn't you? It seems to be higher. So that's got some really interesting questions to ask about that. For people aged over 80, the unvaccinated have a death rate of 125.4 per 100,000 compared to the vaccinated 54.9 per 100,000 in the past four weeks. So that's a good light for life. So that's saying that you are, for people over aged 80, the death rate is roughly double for the unvaccinated if you're over 80. For 70 to 79, the gap is even wider with the unvaccinated death rate at 103.8 per 100,000 compared to 16.2 for the vaccinated. In the younger age groups, one death has been reported in the 18 to 29 double vaccinated age group. Although practically all the older generations are now double jabbed, the government's been ramping up. Yeah, so they've got those numbers there. And I want to know what those sample sizes have done. Because, yeah, loads... I, I think I don't know anyone over the age of 80 that has not been vaxxed. So that must be a high take up route. But still, to go back to the number here, more than 2,500 double vaccinated over 50s. Yeah. So it's 6 1, but then the numbers reverse down below. So I would like to see the age group there and there, which would imply if there's a hell of a difference to make it that much of a swing for the over 80, the data for the 50 to 70 age group must be the exact opposite then. Would it not? To have such a swing from six to one up above and then so the exact opposite down below for when you go to the age specific age groups? You'd, this is the thing with statistics, isn't it? You'd really have to get the whole thing in front of you and go through it bit by bit, which I haven't got. But So there's two sides of the argument there, I think, in one article, which I commend Yahoo for saying that kind of stuff. That's very interesting. But another thing here we need to take from it, in the younger age groups, one death has been reported in the 18 to 29 double vaccinated age group. So not a particularly high risk kind of thing. 
you know, what's that? One out of a lot. Compare that with the adverse reactions that we may have seen. You know, I, I think it's very wise if you're of a young age to not get that vax. But don't take that from me. Take that from a Yale doctor who is being interviewed on Fox News. I think the show is called Life, Liberty and Levin. I've This is from uh, Dr. Harvey Reich, who is a Yale epidemiologist. So quite a smart guy, I would have thought. Let's listen to what he has to say. This is about the subject of vaccinations in schools for school children. You hear, uh, you hear Dr. Fauci, you, you know, people have played uh, the endless contradictions coming out of his mouth and the endless uh, television and, and uh, other media appearances he has. This has to be one of the worst year, year and a half, two year periods of, uh, of information provided the American people by the so-called uh, scientific and medical community that I can ever remember. Well, as far as I can tell, that it's a top-down structure, and most doctors do not get their information by going back and reading the original studies and making up their own minds. They get fed the information from pharma reps or from what they're told from societies, and the conflicts are legion, and, and so it's no surprise that most doctors don't pay attention and think what they're told. If you're a parent and you have a seven or eight-year-old the federal government is going to insist that those kids get vaccinated. Or if you live in a state like California, where Governor Newsom is going to do that and so forth, and he has a horrific record, most of these governors do, not all, but most, what would you do? Would you get your kid vaccinated? Would you talk to your local doctor? What would you do? If the child has chronic conditions that make their risk appreciable, then there's a reason that they would, should be considered for vaccination. Other than that, if, if it were my child, I would homeschool them. Honestly, I would organize with other parents to take them out of the school and create homeschooling environments. There, there's no choice. Your child's life is on the line. It's not a high risk. Vaccination is not a high risk that's going to kill every child by doing so. However, it's enough of a risk that on the average, the benefit is higher for homeschooling than it is for, for vaccination and being in school. And that's just the bottom line. You know, we were seeing employees in the companies facing mandates quit or being fired. And now the public perceives that. And, uh, and companies are having a hard time replacing those employees in the climate of, of a bad employment circumstances and, and missing workers. It's getting even harder. And so those policies are being rethought. When the people rebel because of their own interests, then it has to be reckoned. All right. Well, so that is exactly what a GP said on the Julia Hartley Brewer show on the clip that I mentioned before. Um, I also mentioned last week that it's very important now to get this information out to people. So I did actually onto Facebook. I went and uh, debated a lot of people in my uh, comedy industry, which are, I think, one of the most pro-vax demographics uh, in the country, really. And you get the usual stuff, but you also get other people, a clip, for example, that I played. So someone, uh, one of the comments, again, I don't name names because it's never about trying to win an argument on social media. Uh, there's nothing for me to win. There's no prize for me to win. I 
despise having to do all that kind of stuff but I do think it's important to get the information that we have now out to as many people as possible and I fully accept that they're not going to like it and also I fully accept that they're going to come back with a few things that I'm going to have the opportunity to learn from I'm going to have some things that I didn't know and they're going to have some good points I'm not going to be right all the time and it's going to give me some more information and but it also you know I'm always polite and cordial as another act mentioned so a debate is healthy so a debate for me and this is an open offer to anyone on the comedy circuit it's not about winning an argument it's about a free expression of ideas listening to each other and learning things and trying to figure all this madness out together but one thing I did was um, someone said uh, something along the lines of I switched off the moment he referenced Julia Hartley Brewer to which I responded I didn't reference Julia I referenced a GP that she had on her show another comic chimed in and again I know the names but it's irrelevant because it's not you know it's not about me winning an argument I'm just giving you an example of things that you're going to be facing when you start to spread this information out then so the other comic replied why didn't you reference 98% of the other GPs then Jim so the reference is obviously there is he is making the assumption that I'm referencing a GP for a general anti-vax statement so what we can infer from this is he didn't actually listen to the clip he is having an emotional response I don't like what you're hearing and I'm going to come back with a standard quip which is most of the science disagrees with you Jim so it's lesson there is when you're going to debate with someone make certain you know what you're debating about because the thread went dead here he didn't have a response I assume he's probably gone oh yeah well there isn't well there isn't anything to come back to on that one because um the reference my retort as you can imagine was I'm sorry I'm not aware that 98% of the GPs do support the vaccination of children the jcvi certainly didn't and there uh, if he'd have persisted because i don't like to play all my cards at once i would have shown several clips where countries around the world have bad so it it, it may have been possible that he may have come back with a clip of him and he just said actually jim i knew full well you were talking about the vaccination of children and not the vaccination of adults i'd bothered to listen to the clip and i'd understood that there was a difference and here's the clip to say actually 98% of GPs do support the vaccination rollout in the schools. So I'd like to stick by my original claim. Of course, that, that didn't come. But if that would have come, my retort would have been, uh, thank you for letting me know that 98% of GPs do support vaccination of children. I was unaware of this, which I am. And I don't think that exists. But if he shows me the link, then it's always important to go, mm, yep you've backed up what you've said you were right I was wrong I'm grateful for that thank you for it help educating me on that position but I would have also retorted to say I wonder if that figure of 98% of British GPs is the same for GPs around the world because here's a load of news articles of schools and doctors calling for the vaccine rollout of children of their countries to be stopped or banned um, or at least suspended while they can have a greater look at the data but that never came so I think that person then realised probably next time if you're going to jump into a debate probably best to have a look what the specific references that he's making in relation to the context of that particular argument but anyway 
We live and learn. Taiwan suspends two doses of Pfizer for teens over health risk. So here's one of the articles I would have referenced. There are others around the world, and I'm certain that you can either go back and listen to various episodes of this podcast or perhaps join the at Beyond News Gym Telegram group and have a look on there. The Telegram group is a very nice place and it's a nice community. So um, if people want to come and debate, then that's fine. Uh, no one's, I'm not saying this because anyone's done that on the Beyond the News Telegram group page, but what I'm saying is it's more about if they want to come and debate me, let's get this on air because I won't let them on the Beyond the News Telegram group because it's the whole point of that group is that it's not there as a debating forum. We have enough of that on all our social media pages. It's a place to meet like-minded opportunities in a community. It's run as a pub. So if you can imagine, for, and again, this hasn't happened yet, I'm going to be doing it as a preemptive thing and I'll say to people, if you want to know why you were kicked out, go and listen to Beyond the News 67 at around the 29 minute mark and you will have your answer. I'm not against your free speech. I don't want the community upset. So if it was run as a pub, I would kick you out of the pub, but I wouldn't call the police. So I don't want you in my premises, but I don't think you should have your freedom taken away and put in a jail cell. Um, if you want to go to someone else's pub and upset them and they boot you out, then that's on them. But I just don't want you around me and my regulars. But once you're outside of my pub, do whatever you want, it's none of my business. Just don't wreck my car, dude. So that was the analogy, that, a real world analogy to how I'm going to police that community on the Beyond the News thing. So, Because some people just can't get along and that community is like a nice little safe haven and everyone's really nice there and I like it. So the next one here, Ratzel Hafter, Hearst Krangugan in Fußball. Uh, for those of you that didn't speak German, um, we can pop this into Google Translate, or at least the early part of it. Uh, I should have done a blue Peter here. I think I should be able to say here's one I did earlier. Uh, yes, uh, here we go. Right, there's the headlines, and you can read them for yourself. Puzzling heart diseases in football. An unusually large number of professional and amateur soccer players have collapsed recently. Well, there you go. I'll let you figure out what that could possibly be, I think. There's also some stories coming out. I can't remember if they were just on the Telegram group or whether I've brought them into the, the, uh, the page here for this show. If not, I'm sure it will come up on next week's show where it's, yeah, there's been a large number of excess deaths that aren't anything to do with COVID. And actually, I think I've got it now. Let, yeah, here we go. This was one that I did bring up. So, uh, hey, check me out. I really did do my preparation earlier. Not only did I do the Google Translate, but I got the article. There you go. So this is from the Express, and I think it was in another, um, how can I say it without knocking the Express, a little bit more respected form of journalism as well, but I think that might have been behind a paywall. So there you go, you get what you pay for. All right then. So this is Wednesday the 17th of November from The Express by James Lee. NHS panic 
as mortuaries fill with thousands of non-COVID deaths. Urgent inquiry calls. NHS backlogs and pressure from the pandemic has seen British mortuaries filled with over 10,000 extra bodies over the last 18 weeks, all of which are non-COVID related. Wonder how many of them are those poor footballers we saw. So figures from the Office of National Statistics suggest that over the last four months, England and Wales registered 20,000 823 more deaths than the five-year average in the past 18 weeks. Only 11,000 of them involved COVID. It means that around 45% of recent deaths were related to other causes. Experts called for an urgent inquiry into whether the deaths were preventable. Professor Carl Hennigan, director of the Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine at the University of Oxford said, I'm calling for an urgent investigation. He continued, if you look at where the excess is happening, it's in conditions like ischemic heart disease, cirrhosis of the liver and diabetes, all of which are potentially reversible. Worried that it is not just a natural occurrence, he said, this goes beyond just looking at the raw numbers and death certificates. We need to go back and find if these deaths have any preventable causes. With the NHS suffering huge patient backlogs, the professor told The Telegraph this could be the fallout from the lack of preventable care during the pandemic and what happens downstream of that. Calling for action to be taken, Professor Hennigan said, we urgently need to understand what's going wrong and an investigation of the root causes to determine these actions that can prevent further unnecessary deaths. You can go and continue to read that article for yourself. What springs to my mind? What springs to my mind is the interview I did with John O'Looney, the funeral director who ran his own business in Milton Keynes. Uh, that is, I can't remember which episode it is now, a few months ago there. Go and listen. It's definitely my most played and downloaded podcast of all. So I thoroughly recommend that you have a listen to it. And I also thoroughly recommend, I think the verdict's probably due out about now. Um, yeah, in my uh, opinion... This is one of the most um, easy self-defence cases I've ever seen from the footage I've ever seen, but my legal experience is zero. So um, I want to give you this example. And by the way, I was someone that thought Chauvin, who was the police officer involved in the uh, was it George Floyd death, I thought he, he was right to get sent down. I thought that was a completely illegitimate arrest technique. And when someone you arrest um, and you stick your knee on their neck and you don't use a legitimate arrest technique and they die, I think you should be subject to manslaughter charges. And I believe he was and is serving time. So I think that was the right result. I was never in the murder category because I don't think he meant to kill him, but um, his non-legitimate arrest technique led to the arrest of someone and I really don't need to know any more about the background of that person. Yes, George Floyd wasn't a saint and there was many things that you could say he was this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, a non-legitimate arresting technique was used on him. And that's my view. And um, I think that a message against police brutality, no matter what someone's skin colour, is uh, needed to be sent. I've seen some horrific arrests in the United States, especially involving tasers. So it's glad to see a little bit of power to the people. So I just wanted to preface that by saying, because a lot of people are like, 
bringing race and all that kind of into it just because it was a Black Lives Matter protest. This is white on white crime and for the record I'm glad that the person that uh, arrested George Floyd and ended up Mr Floyd dying, I'm glad that person is serving prison time. So like I said I like to consider myself very much uh, a middle of the road moderate and uh, this is a clear case of self-defence in my non-qualified opinion and here is uh, some Fox News with five different people including Geraldo and other such people with legal experience are going to give you their breakdown of it. All right, we have been watching the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, and it's been riveting the entire day. You're watching The Five, and great to have everybody here, Judge Janine, Geraldo, Jesse Waters, and Greg Gutfeld. Let's go to the judge and get your take. Well, I was just checking how long after the two murders and the, uh, the one assault or attempted murder, the charges were filed. Because this video, the drone, and all of the other information that's been brought together took a while to put together. But this DA uh, charged Rittenhouse within 48 hours. So the DA never really looked into whether or not there was a possibility of self-defense. He just immediately indicted him. And what you're seeing today is a DA who was reacting to the, 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 the whole scenario of what we were doing in a post-George Floyd world, in, a, in an area where Jacob Blake had just been shot. You've got a young guy who was a, you know, a new CPR. He was a police explorer. He was some kind of fireman cadet. He was a good kid. He went there to clean up the, the uh, uh, graffiti on the buildings. He has, he has exemplified on that witness stand what every defendant should learn to do, and that is to speak clearly, directly. He stops exactly where he should stop. He doesn't add any further information. He listens exquisitely to the questions. And, he, you know, there isn't even a need on the part of the defense attorney to object to this prosecutor who is so desperate, so out of control, that he's even got the judge going through the, the roof in that courtroom. The bottom line here is that this kid has established that when he shot uh, Rosenbaum, the first victim, he was in fear of, for, for his own life. When he shot the second guy, Huber, he was in fear legitimately and reasonably of his own life. And when he shot Grosskreis, the third guy who didn't die, for which he's being charged with attempted murder, he had legitimate grounds for which to use deadly physical force. So now the question is whether or not the prosecutor can prove now, because the burden of proof has shifted beyond a reasonable doubt, that it was not self-defense. He can't do it. Mm. He can't. Well, yesterday, Geraldo, you said that you thought that this trial might not even go to the point where you have the defendant take the witness stand, but he did, and perhaps that might have been the best thing that he could have done for himself? It, it was something that I would not have recommended. Putting the defendant on the witness stand is always problematic. It's a toss of the dice. More bad things can happen than good. But this kid has stood his ground. Uh, you know, this is a self-defense case. Did he reasonably believe that his life was in danger and was the force he used to defend himself appropriate? And uh, it just seems to me that the kid is dying. He's a dopey kid with the hero complex. Uh, you know, he shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have had the AR-15 on the street and all the rest of it. But I think he walks, uh, i tell you the truth. I don't, I don't see how they touch him on the murder cases, the most serious charges. 
Uh, you know, uh, the other one, uh, what is it, uh, recklessly endangering? Uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a reasonable possibility that, aside from the possession of the weapon as a minor, uh, you know, I think that the Rittenhouse is going to go. Go ahead, Judge. Well, uh, well, first of all, I don't think he's a dopey kid. Just because he isn't Mr. Cool from New York City doesn't make him a dopey kid. Okay, this kid practiced CPR trained. He was a police explorer. He was a fire he's a cadet. 17-year-old guy that's you know kid that what? takes his AR-15 to a neighboring You know state? what? You don't know what it's like in that part of the country, and maybe you do. I do. I live you there. You do. You live there, okay? <laughs> it's a part of life for them. And you know what the charges for possession of that weapon? Nine months. Because he's under 18. I think that's so the only not, one they've not, got. Let's not conflate the issues here. They, that's, that's a the good kid. That is a kind of kid who can grow up and have a moral core. Jesse, earlier today, the defense did move and ask for a mistrial because of the prosecutor. Prosecutor's a joke. Not only has he exhibited prosecutorial misconduct, he coached a witness to lie and got caught cold. I've never seen anything like this guy. It, it's now illegal to defend yourself. If someone is assaulting you, chasing you, grabbing your weapon, shooting firearms over your head, and then aiming a revolver at your skull, this prosecutor says you can't defend yourself. That is insane. This all started with Jacob Blake. The prosecutor's office, corrupt Democrat district attorneys, release a falsely edited piece of footage to make it look like this was a cold-blooded racial execution attempt, when in fact, Blake was a bad guy who was a rapist and had a knife and was a danger to the police officers and those people in that car. That all didn't even come out till later, but at that point, that inflamed such hostility in the streets. This is a very tender moment, remember? This is just after yeah. the situation we saw in, in, uh, in, in Minneapolis. So all of a sudden, people start looting and rioting for three state days, millions of dollars in damage. Politicians basically told the police to stand down. They weren't doing anything right. to stop this. Unfortunately, some of these small business owners had to call in help. And this guy listened to the call. I agree. Shouldn't have had a gun. Probably shouldn't have been there. But that's what happens when you treat police like garbage and politicians tell them not to defend law and order. All right? So he gets out there, clear self-defense. Everybody that sees the footage knows that. What do they do? Media comes out and smears this guy as a white supremacist. Joe Biden comes out during the campaign, puts out a tweet linking Donald Trump, says white supremacy, with a picture of Rittenhouse with the AR. That's slander, straight up. And then this corrupt prosecutor goes out and throws a slew of nasty charges at this guy because he wants to run for DA. He's already run for DA once. This guy's got political aspirations. This is an axis of evil. This is prosecutors, the press, and politicians conspiring to create violence, create a deadly situation. And then when a deadly violent situation happens, they want a scalp of this kid. And that is, that is really corrupt. I just want to show that one thing. We have the sound from the judge scolding the prosecution, then we're going to go well, to Greg. You them. I was astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I don't know what you're up to. Don't get fine. brazen with me. You know very well that an attorney can't go into these types of areas when the judge has already ruled without asking outside the presence of the jury to do so. So don't give me that. 
So that happened that happened earlier today, Greg. And then there is a, just another angle on this, and that is the, the media coverage at the time and since, and if there's any sort of revisiting of that. Yeah, uh, as as Jesse pointed out, the media coverage of the Jacob Jacob Blake thing led to this yep. in so many ways because what they did was they they excused the rampant violence, they cheered the reduction of police, and what did that do? It creates a void. Who fills that void? Well, th sometimes thugs do, but other times well-meaning citizens who have had enough. That is a story that is old as time, that when there is no police, you become the policeman, hence the reason why you have cops. But I've learned a lot from this prosecutor. Number one, you have to let someone beat you over the head with a skateboard. If you defend yourself, that's on you. You should never shoot a guy pointing a gun at you because he hasn't shot you yet. And, rem and remember that, he made that very clear. Uh, you know, he hasn't shot you yet. And when, when a guy comes at you with a gun up close, he probably won't shoot you because he could have shot you maybe 10 feet earlier. However, he probably would have had a better chance to kill you up close, but that never would have happened because he would have done it already. And some, but the bottom line is somebody pointing a gun at you is not enough for self-defense. You must be shot first. <laughs> what the bottom line, and, and uh, Jesse nailed it, Rittenhouse was doing a policeman's job because he could no, no longer rely on the state or the politicians to provide cover protection for the police. The city was burning and going to hell unabated. So this kid, rightly or wrongly, acting probably on his own instincts, felt that he could help. I love Jeffrey Tubin's take today where he says Rittenhouse is lucky that uh, he's not on trial for being an idiot. Oh. Mm. And this is a guy who this should... Tubin? Yeah, he should be really <laughs> thinking about a concealed <laughs> permit yeah. uh, before uh, going after Tubin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, uh, I think that what you're going to see now is if the media... If the media deliberately blocks this information from coming out and instead... Because, for example, you never would have known that uh, Gage had pointed the gun right. at this guy if you'd been following the media's coverage of this. Right. Therefore, if he is acquitted, you're going to have the same thing where people go, oh, my God, white guy! White guy acquitted! Uh, he could do whatever he wants, even though we shot white people. doesn't matter because our, because our media is interested in the racial divide more than anything. They're going to make it about race. Rex Chapman already did it on Twitter. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have uh, the activist class egged on by the media once again at CNN saying, you know, it is time to scream and yell. And yes, restorative justice can take the shape of looting and arson. But that's because we are now in the business of misinforming the public to create conflict. We have a um, montage that our team put together of some of the media coverage. If you could roll that for us, please. To defend the actions of a 17-year-old man who killed two protesters, one of which was armed with a skateboard. Um, and the last time I checked, I don't think a skateboard could kill someone. A 17-year-old kid from out of state, a boy from out of state, drives up to the state with an AR-15 around his neck, shoots right and kills yeah. a couple of people, uh, shooting wildly, running around, uh, acting like uh, rent-a-cop. And it's not good that a 17-year-old vigilante Arguably a domestic terrorist picked up a rifle, drove to a different oh. state to shoot What's people. His name, this guy? So the media continue. Helman, uh, uh, the, yeah. the media continue to, uh, to I mean, basically bask in glory. I guess is the, one of these things. Um, as the judge goes forward with this, with this request from the defense for a mistrial, is that a possibility? 
You know, I don't think at this point the judge is going to grant the request for a mistrial, but I do have something to say about the judge and the way the judge acted in this case. The judge lost it, and he lost it for good reason. What you've got is the prosecution cross the line that is, is as old as the Constitution, where you have a right to not incriminate yourself. And the, and the prosecution is trying to make this kid someone who is not entitled to the right to remain silent. You know from every TV show you ever watch, you have a right to remain silent. But this prosecutor is saying, this is the first time you've talked about it since, you, since this thing happened, as if, therefore, you're not entitled to have the right to remain silent. And everyone in their mind, when they go into the jury room, is going to say, gee, I wonder. He had to think it all through and work it all through. That's a fundamental mistake by the prosecution. So when the judge says, why would you even do that? I can't figure out why you would do it. The prosecution wants to push a mistrial here because the prosecution knows they're losing. This kid is one of the best witnesses I've seen on the witness stand, without a doubt. He has an uncanny sense for what to say and when to stop. Well, and, he's and he's fighting for his life. We're going to go he back is. to the trial in just a moment. We're going to um, one more comment from Geraldo and Jesse. Geraldo, you first. The defense does not want a mistrial at this stage. The defense is Prosecution winning. This is, not, this is not a domestic terrorist. It is clear that the image that was built is, is built on, on false Legos, that this is a 17-year-old kid. Again, I go back, a, a dopey mistake, hero complex. I can save my community. I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm just like all those great people in Marvel comics. You just describe people, people that, joined the, that, uh, that joined the military. Maybe They're so, usually maybe, 17. Maybe so, maybe they so. Wanna help the, they want to help their society. I understand that I am, yeah. I am announcing <laughs> that I believe he's going to be acquitted. Yeah. Uh, this, this, the prosecution missed the mark. The prosecution tried every dirty trick they possibly could. The facts don't work for the prosecution. The kid was reasonable in his use of force and deadly So that's where I'll leave that, because I think I've played uh, enough of that. You can see the clip itself. But um, the prosecution used every dirty trick in the book. Yeah. Is there any recourse back at them? Because the, if you listen to it, the judge, who is, a, I believe, a Democrat, by the way, because I believe they're... Judges have a political affiliation, or uh, I should probably should have <laughs> researched that earlier to see what exactly why people suggest he's a, a Democrat. But the point I tried to make there was the prosecution used every dirty trick in the book. I can understand the defence using every dirty trick in the book to get their client off. It's kind of always been that way, hasn't it? But a prosecution using every dirty trick that shouldn't be that way. The the state should be kind of neutral, shouldn't it? I mean, it should obviously want to be able to get the prosecution, but if you have to use every dirty trick in the book, doesn't that say you don't have a case? And if you don't have a case that you feel strongly enough with, should you say, do you know what? I don't really have that much of a stronger case against this guy. Maybe I shouldn't be persecuting this kid in this way. So I think the way the prosecution's do, behaved is disgraceful and... Um, I would be surprised if the judge didn't say something similar at the end of the trial. And my question is this, what happens to a prosecutor like that? You know, does he just get off it? Because I don't think, I know this sounds a double standard. If a defence person actually like lied, I, I, a defence person using every dirty trick to try and get their client off, that's a de defendant lawyer's job. But actual like lying and knowing when you're lying, isn't that naughty and I reckon this prosecutor is well if you've seen some of the things he's done and yeah
and listen to some of the things that the judges pulled him up on uh, like regards basic law and things it shouldn't be this way this is the the prosecute let me put it this way regards to the prosecutor the state of any country should only bring a case when it's rock solid this smells of we're going to come down on this kid because it's looks like the politically correct thing to do he defended himself against black lives matter people so we're going to come for him and we're and you know the the american state the the democratic machine and those that are in power are quite anti-gun and quite anti-self-defense uh, from what i can see go and have a word to those democratic um lawyers that got in trouble for holding their gun on their own property on their own gun the gat kind of stuff they were lawyers look at what they got into the trouble of so I think the state, what happens when the state goes above its power and, as in the words of these lawyers here, uses every dirty trick in the book? I don't think that should be the state, the, the place of the prosecution to do that. How do we fix it? Like anything else, if you let people get away with it and don't hold them to account, they're going to do it again. Um, you know, maybe they'll get away with it, maybe they don't. But if they don't get caught for it and have any consequences of it, they'll keep doing it again. Whether it's this prosecutor or whether it's Tory corruption, it's the same thing. Consequences need to be held. That's uh, my opinion. Moving on, I thought I saw another article uh, saying that the number of NHS staff remaining unvaccinated was about half a million. I thought 70,000 was the care staff homes, but who knows? That's the trouble with statistics and numbers. Who knows? So I'll read it as is. From ITV, COVID, more than 70,000 NHS staff remain unvaccinated as mandatory jabs announced. This is Tuesday 9th of February. More than 70,000 unvaccinated NHS staff will need to get the jab or risk losing their job after the government announced COVID-19 jabs will be compulsory for NHS England workers. The figure is a government estimate of how many staff in the health service will remain unvaccinated after the grace period ends in April the 1st, 2020. April Fool's Day. Uh, an apt day, isn't it? Only a fool would... Uh, fire 70,000 of your staff in the middle of a sharp staff shortage during a pandemic. Nothing says I am going to love my NHS like clapping for you outside my house every Thursday, voting for an MP that isn't going to give you a pay rise, but will vote for someone that will fire you because you haven't had the jab. I'm not going to ask you why you haven't had the jab, what knowledge you or what you may have seen may not not want it, or even ask the fact that should we have natural immunity passes as well? I mean, after all, they have been looking after people during 18 months of a pandemic, so it would suggest that if they haven't got ill from it already, that they've got really good strong immunity, or if they have got ill, they've got immunity because they've recovered and lived. No, just fire them. So, this obviously put the cat among the pigeons and one of my friends, if you're friends with me on Facebook, is a nurse and NHS worker and this, she decided to speak out. She put a thing, or a, a, a comment on my Facebook page and I can confirm, having communicated with her, that it was not a hack. That statement did come from her. It was then taken down for reasons that I won't go into yet, but I will say I've spoken to a solicitor and I was within my rights to, um, I suppose for want of a better phrase, publish. See, here's, here's the thing what happened. She put the comment on my Facebook page and I can't share comments. Now, I don't know 
for whatever reason that is it's just got like like reply and then the hour timestamp of a comment and then you've got three dots and none of them is a share button so in order for me to share it because it was down the bottom of the thread getting no traction and it had been there for 11 hours and no one even noticed it by the looks of it i screenshotted it and then put it back on in a thread of its own then it went viral and that's where i'll leave that story because i'm still talking to people involved on where to go from there but just to give you an update on that it wasn't a hack that statement came from her and i was within my rights my solicitor says to put that screenshot up the rest i'm going to have a talk to about with all the moving parts and see where we can go from there to bring you more updates on that story uh, but by the way, that person is someone I've known for 20 years, so I know who they are on that one. That's a, a trusted source. <laughs> and I put the names, because I don't do anonymous. Anyone, If anyone's got any stories to tell, if you're a nurse and you want to speak out, you can email me at beyondthenews.protonmail.com, but I don't do anonymous stuff. You have to do your name and everything like that. And uh, I, oh, it's just popped up. Carl Rittenhouse found not guilty by Kenosha jury. Yep, as it should be, justice was done. Finally, brilliant. So that was the case I was just uh, played the clip of. Yeah, that's just flashed up on my RT screen, of which the headline for this reads, The Woke Phenomenon. Woke media don't like to be told they're woke. Well, you can tie this into the Carl Rittenhouse thing as well, because, man, if you go and watch, I don't know if you've seen some of those clips where the media talk about this, it's like... Do you know what it reminds me of? It, the, is it the Covington kid or something like that? They had to settle with him for millions for all the slander for like being a white supremacist. You know the kid that smirked and they called him a white supremacist? The way the media brings the whole race thing into it is absolutely shameful and disgusting. And um, they're hemorrhaging viewers over it, hemorrhaging money through lawsuits for that Covington kid. And I get the strangest feeling that Mr Rittenhouse is now going to be able to look back uh, all those hours of that no wonder they were trashing him so much because uh, guilty men can't sue like that can they but now he's been found not guilty i if that covington kid got 250 million for uh, dollars for all the, that abuse that they gave him rittenhouse you know it would be one of those memes you know um new record set for um media slander claims you know and uh Carl Wittenhouse goes, hold my beer, you know, like one of those memes and gets in there. Actually, no, he can't hold my beer because you've got to be 21 to drink, in it. Hold my orange. Hold my AR. <laughs> That's probably a bad taste joke. So um, I'm glad he got off. And um, let's not forget that the some of the people he shot were like, you know, rapists, child molesters who were attacking him, that kind of thing. So the woke, just as the, the woke media don't like to be told, yep. Yeah, they don't like to be told that this was a clear case self-defense thing. And the reason why is because I got a feeling that they're, some of those statements, they're going to be looking at some of those statements in a courtroom. And this time it's going to be Rittenhouse <laughs> in, the, in the prosecution <laughs> going, hey, you told so many lies about me and the situation easily disproven. You hemorrhaged loads of viewers. Even your own comment section said, I can't believe you're saying this about him because it's such a clear cut case. And all you did was stir up race uh, things i wonder if there'll be any cause when you know the truth is so clear-cut i wonder if any of the small business owners if any riots occur can decide to do it or whether the black lives people matter at this point actually go do you know what you know it's all about the uh the war and not the battles this isn't one we can't win this isn't this is not one we can win 
this is a PR disaster let's let it drop let's see if they do that but yeah the woke phenomenon so that was by Frank Furedi the last attempt by identity politics obsessed left to combat the bad PR lie the term woke has been getting is to claim the word has lost all meaning or racist or perplexingly both yeah there isn't much you can do when you just point to something that's blatantly red and call it blue or you point to something that's blatantly blue and call it red um, the only people that are going to be left watching your programs are the people that would believe that something that's red is blatantly blue and they're called cult members so I think that shows in their viewership their advertising revenue and um, some of the people that have lost faith in um, what they used to be watching how am I doing for time oh that's it right um, yep that's it I'm gonna cut it off there uh, oh one other thing I need to quickly say because I forgot to say it last week during an interview when you're interviewing uh, people and it goes backwards and forwards sometimes you you're about to say something and then they interject and you forget and you, that's what happened uh, I said a line with um, I said the, the the pen is mightier than the sword but often who wield who who wields the sword decides who wields the pen and I said that's a that's a Jim Grant saying for you there that is something that I say originally but I think it originally came from a video game so and I meant to say that in my interview with Sally but I completely forgot because you get distracted with stuff like that and I forgot to do it last week as well no one's picked me up on it no anything like that's just something that I I my head at the pillow at night I thought you know what I think that may have come across wrong. I may have claimed credit for some. It may have appeared to have claimed credit for something when I shouldn't have. So there. Ah, oh, feels better. Conscience is clear now. Right. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Bye.